Welcome. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Perhaps you're with us right now. We are live. Welcome to Johnny Ross Fractional CMO, where we dive deep into the minds, driving business and marketing forward. I'm Johnny Ross, and today we have the privilege of chatting with Lewis Rothkoff, the Chief Revenue Officer of Parzon, with a rich tapestry of experience woven through the digital media landscape. Lewis has been at the forefront of ad tech innovation, steering global businesses to success. We're live on Facebook. We're live on LinkedIn. We are live on YouTube. Lewis, uh, from the days of double click to the AI powered horizons of uh, Parzon right now, Lewis has been navigated through the uh, evolution of advertising and customer data like a true visionary. So sharpen your pencils and ready your minds as we unpack the intersection of AI marketing and the consumer journey with a master of the game. Stay tuned as we explore how today's marketeers can harness AI to transform data into actionable insights and robust sales strategies. Welcome, Lewis. How are you? I'm very well. It's good to be here, Johnny. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. So you, your uh, company specializes in uh, retailers, uh, working with uh, marrying online and offline um, to get the the most out of that. You're typically working with some reasonable size retailers. We're talking sort of millions of transactions per month. Um, and what? Let's start with what's the problem here? So you know, CMOS of these retailers, what's their their problem that you come along and solve? So you mentioned in your intro that um, I've been doing this for a, a perverse amount of time. Um, it's not the word you use, though. I appreciate that. And so going all the way back to the late 90s, really when digital advertising began, it was in its infancy. And when we began to sell advertising to marketers in 1998, 1999, um, how do you know if that marketing worked? Well, there's a click-through rate. So if there was a click, then you know it worked. And if the click-through rate was 10%, then fantastic. If the click-through rate was 1%, then not fantastic. The problem, is, as folks in the industry very quickly um, learned, is that there's basically no correlation between click-through rate, people who click, and people who actually buy your products. In fact, a couple of studies actually showed that people who click on ads tend to not be the people um, who buy your products. So clearly a, a better approach was needed, and several of those approaches um, evolved. Uh, initially, there were uh, surveys and studies. So you saw an ad online, uh, Mr. Consumer, um, do you remember seeing that ad? Um, what did you do after you saw that ad? Did you go and you buy the thing? Um, very easy in that context to measure conversions online. So now marketers weren't only playing with proxy metrics like click-through rate, but they were able to see, okay, we ran this ad online, person clicked on it, we've got tracking, we have advanced systems that measure uh, how many people clicked, converted, et cetera, and now I've gotten the closed loop online. And so life was good for the e-commerce players, the online marketers. However, many of these online marketers, if not most of them, also have a retail presence, an offline presence. And there is no way to bridge the gap between online ad exposure and in-store purchase. None. Um, proxies took place, right? One of the proxies that is still in use today is geolocation. So let me measure advertising that a customer, consumer has seen, and then what do they do? They drive to this location, and it's where the store happens to be, and we're able to say, okay, that's a conversion, the ad worked. 
The problem with that approach is that geolocation uh, in 2023 using the technology we have today is not as precise as it would need to be to draw a 100% accurate correlation between the advertising that was seen and the action that was taken in store. Yeah, I can tell you uh, if somebody came within the vicinity of that store, but what if it's a mall, right? What if it's a shopping center? And then what did they buy? So we know they came there, but did they buy anything? And what did they buy? And down to the SKU level, look to understand, okay, the advertising is working. The advertising is working here. It is working these products. And you know, here's what we need to do to make it work better. That solution really didn't exist. So our company, Pearson, was founded by two uh, retail veterans, um, of which I am not one. Um, and the idea was, let's take all the data that marketers have in their POS uh, systems, in transaction logs, let's take all that data and let's run it through a AI algorithm that was purpose-built for what we do. And let's have the algorithm tell us two things. Number one, which of my consumers are most likely to convert from the advertising that we're about to show them? So let's target them in this advertising. And the second thing it shows is, what happens when a user sees the ad, either online or SMS or email? What do they do? What's the offline interaction that takes place because of that ad exposure? That's the problem that we, we solve. It, it's deceptively simple, but it's a problem that has been bedeviling the industry from its inception. So, so this is uh, understanding exactly what happens when a consumer sees an ad, interacts with an ad, engages with something, receives a text message, receives an email. Um, and what you're saying that you that you can do using the power of the uh, machine and the AI is to then follow the entire customer journey into the on into the offline world where they go in and visit store and you then know exactly what SKU they've bought. And more importantly, you can predict as well. Correct. And it takes the guesswork out, right? It, it takes the, you know, the, the sort of hocus pocus out of deciding whether or not your, your advertising is working. There's a famous quote that you and your listeners have heard many, many times from um, Wanamaker about half the advertising works. I don't know which half. There's no excuse for that, right? That is a problem that still persists today with both online and offline marketing. And it is inexcusable in 2023 because we have the tools to close the loop and understand has, which half, or ideally which 90% worked well. Has there been, so uh, having a, uh, a look at the data and, and working with the number of um, organizations that you that you work with, because we were, we were talking earlier, there's a significant number you work with. Has there been any surprises in terms of now that you've got this data and you understand behavior and customer journey? Has there been any surprises or any any particular learnings across the 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 sector that sort of actually, you know, everyone thought we should be doing remarketing or whatever it might be? I've no idea. Um, yeah. I'm just curious. Are there any are there any particular surprises or any particular trends that sort of say, actually, this is something that everyone should be doing? I see this with a tremendous deal of respect for the market and our customers and sort of what tools have historically been available to them. The surprising thing is when we do a pilot with a prospective customer, we'll ingest their data, we'll perhaps run a campaign with them and see how our performance um, comes out relative to not working with us. 
And the most surprising thing was how terrible um, the return on ad spend was in many cases, um, in many campaigns for many big retailers. Uh, it's horrifying, right? And, and it's hard because if you are a marketer and you know your CMO cares about click-through rate, video completion rate, um, and that's what they're grading um, their agency on, well, then what does the agency say? The agency says, I want supply that clicks well and video that completes well. And the publisher then says, okay, gotcha, no problem. But if you're setting something flawed, like click-through rate as the core metric that you're optimizing your business to, it's just not going to work. And so we encourage our customers to sort of move away from those old proxy vanity metrics, some would say, and into accurate, deterministic, what actually happened? To whom should I be marketing? With which messages? And then what happened after they saw the ad? Give give me a, a practical example of how this works. So, um, you know, I'm a consumer. Um, you know, maybe it's a grocery shopping, maybe it's maybe it's a, a clothing fashion, whatever it might be. You know, I've I've received a t- an SMS this week. I've got an email this week. I've 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 seen an advert. Tell me exactly how this is going to piece this together. Yeah. So you're a consumer and you are in market for a pair of sneakers. And so you do some searching around and you look for sneakers, sneakers, sneakers. I, I, could, and- do a, I could do have a new pair, actually. <laughs> As could I. As could I. I, I. I am under no more sneaker uh, in the house prohibition until I throw out some old pairs. So uh, if my wife is watching, um, I'm very sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Yes. So you're going to buy, you're, you're looking for some sneakers, you're researching online. Um, and then, of course, what happens, you see ads for sneakers. And you're exposed to this ad, you click on this ad, and it's like, huh. These are really nice sneakers, but you know what? I hate buying shoes online. Let me go into a store. And so I go into the store and I say, hi, I want those shoes. I want them in a size nine and a half. And I don't really want to look at other stuff, but I I want those shoes. Oh, and by the way, while I'm here, let me pick up those socks because they're on sale. And, you know, who doesn't need socks when they need some shoes? Um, The person makes the purchase. Uh, and in sort of the previous world, right, before folks like us existed, that was that, right? So all the marketer would know is that the user clicked on a, it was exposed to and or clicked on a sneaker ad. They don't know what happened after that. Did they go into the store? All they know is it didn't convert online. So now you're saying, oh man, well, that's a crappy consumer. Let's not target them again because they didn't buy the thing after they saw the ad. When in reality, like, no, that's that's the best kind of consumer. Because not only did they get into the store, they added on to their purchase beyond what they came into the store for. Now, what experience have you had so many times when you search for something online? Um, you see that same damn sneaker ad everywhere you go for the rest of time. Um, it, it, it's crazy. Like, if you ask anybody, what do you hate? about internet shopping. Well, I hate that I was shopping for, you know, this this, this uh, pair of jeans. And now everyone and their mother thinks that I'm a jean aficionado because they keep showing me the same ads for the same jeans. And what, what's wrong with that if you're a consumer? It's a terrible experience. What's wrong with that if you're a marketer? You're wasting money. You're, you're spending money 
to advertise to somebody who already bought the product. Like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? <laughs> so, you know, we help marketers both target as well as anti-target based upon pools of consumers that they define whichever methodology they want to use. If they want to use reach frequent, uh, frequency and monetary value. If they want to do media mix modeling, it's, it's all baked in. But the, the critical thing here is consumer no longer sees ads for things that they already bought. Um, retailer knows what impact the offline, excuse me, the online had in the offline behavior. And they have another piece of data now, which is um, when people buy these sneakers, they also tend to buy these socks. So why don't we put those two items together in the physical store? And why don't we advertise them together and say, hey, people who bought these sneakers, they also bought these socks. Would you like them? And that's one thing the platform does. It sort of it melds together all of the pairs. So we get pairs on um, of consumers and the products they purchase, but also the other items in their cart um, that they completed as part of the same transaction. And and this is, I assume, it's based on uh, a unique identifier, something like their email address or their phone number. Would that be fair? Email address or phone number, um, where it works really well is if you're a retailer who um, has a loyalty program. So you go into the store, you swipe your loyalty card, all your data is entered automatically, you buy the purchase, loop is closed. Um, even for retailers who don't have a loyalty program, all they need to do is collect uh, an email address or a phone number, and then we can actually SMS or email them a digital receipt so you've effectively created the same sort of scenario where um, consumer information has been collected, but loop is closed. In this case, it's closed with a digital receipt, and you can make all the inferences and decisions that you can um, that you can based on the data that's generated. So there must be um, a fair amount of competition out there. What what options have CMOs got if they're not going to you? What what else is out there to be so able to do this? There are Sorry, there are very big companies who do similar things. There are customer data platforms that are large and sold by large companies and, and are monolithic. And it's interesting, we used to market ourselves as a customer data platform because we are. We are a CDP and for several of our customers, we, um, we are their prime CDP. Uh, we stopped doing so and instead switched to talking about our business as a marketing data platform because you can have an existing CDP in place, but not have the capabilities that we're able to bring to the table. So we complement the CDP, um, or for those customers who don't have a CDP installed, we act as the CDP for them. So what could you do if you don't want to work with us? You could go work with one of those very large companies. Um, it's probably going to be much more expensive than us. Um, it's probably going to take you a long time to implement it, to train on it, to learn how to use it. Whereas we get customers up and running in you know a, a, a month's time, I don't want to suggest that we're the only ones who do what we do, but I think for for those reasons, we're the most appropriate um, solution for those who are looking for either a solution or a solution that complements their current capabilities, looking to understand and predict where their customers are and where they're going to convert or how they're going to convert. Um. Um, whilst you're global, you're very much looking uh, at the US and Canada market. Is that right? Uh, That's but right. We, but customers globally, um, and the and as I said earlier, in terms of well, in fact, you said it yourself. It, it fits really well with um, retailers that already have loyalty 
schemes because that's just a a really easy way to to close the loop very quickly. But as you say, you could you could soon uh, simply ask for an email address to to send the uh, the receipt to anyway. Um, so uh, there's just talk to me more about the prediction side here. So um, I think you you sort of already talked about how you how you can predict that if there's a certain buying pattern, for example, you know people are buying those socks with that trainer, and therefore we should put them together, etc. Um, but what other predictions can this modeling make, and why you know why is it important? And 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 I don't know if you've got any real examples you can share. Um, I don't know if you can use names or not, but um, but in terms of in terms of predictions, what can your system help uh, marketers predict? So we ask our customers for two years of transaction logs. So let's take your historic logs, let's feed them into the AI, and let's begin to understand what your customer journeys have looked like historically. And then we say, we need you to give us the live data as well. So some of our customers have a always on link where we get transaction data in real time and we process it in real time. And that informs how we build and uh, prune and, and uh, optimize audiences. Or you can send us your data once a day, once a week. It's obviously not going to be quite as precise, um, but it's still pretty darn good. Um, once we have all that data fed into the AI, the AI says, here are the categories of consumers that you have. And they range from your best consumers, can't lose them. Um, these guys spend a lot of money in the store. They come in very frequently and um, they uh, spend a bunch of money on individual products or they spend a bunch of money on the total basket. Um, one way or another, they're spending a bunch of money all the way down to lapsed customers. So here's somebody who has not been in the store in the past year, um, doesn't buy anything when they come into the store, only comes in like once a year. And that's somebody that you would effectively consider to be a new prospect that you have to acquire and, and activate. And then there are multiple tiers in between those that allow you to create audiences that are geared specifically for what you're trying to do. So if you're running a reactivation campaign, which is, is effectively a prospecting campaign, um, you're probably going, but you're definitely going to target those lower tiers of disengaged customers, disengaged former customers. If you're looking to reward your best customers or try to squeeze a little bit more business out of them, you know, for Black Friday or for the holiday season, um, you're probably going to target your very best customers and maybe even spend a bit more knowing, on the advertising, knowing that your best customers are going to walk into the store and walk out with $100 worth of merchandise on, on the average. Those sorts of insights that the AI is plucking out and giving you to act upon, they're the sort of thing that you would otherwise have to have a team of analysts. Like our, our biggest competitor is a spreadsheet, right? A lot of companies have a team of analysts on spreadsheets kind of pouring through the data. I would lose my mind. I don't know how people do it. But even when you do, you spend all that money and you have all that toil and all that time, are your predictions going to be as good as a model that is built on millions of transactions over the course of years and is able to pick out signals in the data that individual humans generally aren't able to do? What's some of the um, 
are you able to share some of the the figures here in terms of ROI and and um, uh, what the the sort of difference it can make to an ad campaign? At, you know, on Meta, for example, um, the, the 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 metrics instead of instead of that um, CMO just looking at you know click through rates and have they watched the full video through and all of that sort of stuff. What what are the what are the metrics and what are the what's the some of the ROIs that um, that that you've been able to achieve? Yeah, so, so with apologies to people who are watching us instead of listening to us, my eyes are going to go over there so I can actually give you real numbers. Um, if you're looking at me, it is not much of a pretty picture, so just bear with me one moment. Um, we had a campaign that we ran uh, with a uh, pilot program um, with one of our current customers, and we ran an A-B test of um, using the audiences that are baked into the walled gardens. So. Google audiences, Facebook audiences, they have this product that's built in and then lets you target based upon audiences. Um, and we sense the audiences they think are most likely to convert. Um, we uh, said, all right, let's take half of this campaign and run it on us. Give us a few weeks, give us half of the budget and let's see what we can do. And you know, in one of the campaigns for this, uh, for this retailer, there was a 200% lift in return on ad spend for the uh, campaign that used some of our audiences. And for the bigger campaign that ran after that, where they were using, I believe, 60% of our audiences and 40% was the control group, a 333% lift in ROAS. And if you think about like the numbers behind the numbers, right? Like it is, it is generally terrible um, if you are not getting the return on spend. Well, first of all, it's terrible to not know that you're not getting the return on spend that you, you know, expect to. Um, and it's terrible to not get that return on spend. And so um, that alone should make you worry as a marketer that like, oh man, like we are leaving money on the table here. Um, but you know, it, it, it even goes beyond that, right? It, it goes to the point of what are you doing um, if you are not maximizing the spend why are you wasting money? Why are you not spending? Maybe you should invest more somewhere. And so the idea is um, we take a look at uh, the basket size. We take a look at um, what the cost of the advertising was. And then we figure out what the ROAS is. And, you know, we have one, one client who ran a pilot with us whose ROAS was negative. Um, it was costing them $100 to acquire a customer. And their excuse me, $150 to acquire a customer. And their average basket size was a hundred dollars. It's, it's 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 terrible. It's it's awful. You're dying. Um, and so we help make that problem a thing of the past. And I assume that you're also looking at um, lifetime value as well. Uh, over over over. Yeah. Um, the uh, by the way, if you're listening, if you're watching, uh, you, perhaps you're. Uh, on the recording it's great that you're here thanks for being here uh, if you are live with us uh, that's brilliant you're very welcome to comment we've had some comments actually Erin uh, Sparks can AI build a predictive model for what the consumers are going to search for next finding the gaps where our clients need to be would be invaluable I sort of think you might have answered that question yeah absolutely well thanks for the question absolutely um, no question and you know I always sort of like catch myself a little bit when I talk about AI, because it has been used to describe everything from these large language models all the way down to like the CRISPR drawer setting on your refrigerator. Um, and it, it sounds a little bit cliche, but the power of AI is that 
you're taking so much data that individual humans would never be able to grok and you're making it really, really understandable. And so um, to, to the commenter's question, you know, are you able to sort of figure out what the user is going to search for next? Absolutely. And, and the way that you can see this is go search for something on Google, um, then go back and start typing something else. And there is a really good chance that the autocomplete suggestion <laughs> is going to be what you're looking for next. Like if they're just that smart. Um, so yeah, it, it, AI really matters, but I think we are already at the point where predicting, it's exactly what we do, right? Predicting the consumer's behavior is paramount to not wasting money on advertising. So where this fits is is pretty much uh, across the entire funnel. What you're what what you're not uh, focused on though is is necessarily bringing new people into the funnel. This is around uh, really getting the most out of the people that you know or the people that you have data on. Um, but you have talked about lookalike audiences though, and so I'm just wondering how that works uh, and um, uh, uh, and and you know what uh, uh, yeah how do, how does the system work with lookalike audiences? So the thing about lookalikes, as you know, is there's sort of a continuum between precision and scale. I think some systems even literally have a slider, like I care more about being precise or I care more about reaching more people. And, you know, it's entirely up to the marketer to determine what their tolerance for um, a loss of precision is in, in, in search of scale. We do lookalikes, um, again, based upon the marketer's first party data. Um, and you're correct, uh, in furtherance of not bringing net new customers to, um, to this, to this uh, retailer, it is not a prospecting platform, except to the extent that you have lapsed customers or lost customers who have not come into the store, have not purchased in a long time. That absolutely is user acquisition, right? That is getting people who otherwise have been dormant for the past year or more or however you define lapsed in your business and we use lookalikes to help make that list bigger drive more of your uh, existing customers to buy more drive your non-existing customers to start buying again um, and sort of tying it all up into a process that can be replicated um, and critically all the insights that we surface are immediately actionable like we've all used systems where it's like, yeah, so um, we know there's a correlation between people who buy Mercedes cars and those who like chocolate chip cookies. Like that was all the rage like 10 years ago. It's like, did you know? And it's like, no, I, I didn't know that. And what am I supposed to do with that? Like, do I do I like sell chocolate chip cookies at the Mercedes dealership? Well, no, that's that's crazy. So, you know, you, you sort of like, you look at the correlations on a much more restrained and rational basis and you say all right you know these guys they were shopping for socks bet you they're gonna like some shoes i mean it's it, it's scary but it's also very clever and why wouldn't you if you've got the data why wouldn't you go to this level of detail and you know ultimately that's where loyalty cards started uh, that's right was was you know okay yes it was to give value and to uh to 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 buy that loyalty but ultimately it was to buy the data uh and um uh you know and and i yeah i think i think it's a it's endless really um so is there is there a um I, the 
the question's completely gone out of my mind, Lewis. And I do and I do loads of live stuff and it's completely gone. Um but I think I think I was just trying to to sort of conclude and summarize to be perfectly honest. Um and what what message would you be giving uh CMOs? Uh, you you also you know I know in the green room we talked about it doesn't have to be just retailers you know potentially you can look at bringing this into hospitality uh, you can bring this in uh, into to any any venues where you've got the the online uh, marketing and you're trying to bring them into an offline you know we're looking at a serious number of transactions it's not just sort of five people a month um, but uh, but where where you've got the footfall and you've got the online and offline you're trying to marry them together uh, it it doesn't have to just be retail although that's where you you specialize um so what would be the message to uh, to cmos what's the you know what if they continue to ignore this and don't join the dots um, i mean and, you know. and, and and is there any particular um learnings that you can that, that you can give them anyway I mean, it's, it's, you know, what is the consequence of ignoring anything in your business, right? Like it's, it's going to be bad. Um, the, the message that we have for CMOs, of course, is just give it a try. Um, and, and the just give it a try really comes from a place of this is your data, right? Like you should be as familiar with your data as the walled gardens are, right? As, as the buying platforms are. So, um, you know, you can, use one platform, right? One system that fills the role of a customer data platform. Um, you, you've got data scattered in things like DSPs. We pull it all together. Um, and it's why a lot of our customers, we didn't go out to do this, call us their morning dashboard because everything is there, right? I wish I could show you the thing right now, um, ranging from how much was spent yesterday by which cons uh, consumer groups has it been purchased? What are the, um, the payment methods? How many of those transactions were matched right, to, to a known user? So all the things that you as a CMO would want to know, just like that off the crack of the bat first thing in the morning, it's all there. You stand to lose nothing um, by giving it a try. And, and I will say um, there are certain industries and certain sections of industries that are even more concerned with data protection and privacy than, than sort of the, the typical marketer. Um, for them, we also make the platform available as an on-premises solution. So none of your data leaves your walls at all. We just install the thing for you. No loss of capability. I've never sold something like that before. Um, it's very cool. No loss of, of, um, uh, of capabilities. And it lets you address a very common objection that CMOs and CTOs um, often have, which is, yeah, I don't care what kind of security you got. It is not leaving my four walls. And as a consumer, I respect the hell out of that. I, do you know, I was going to ask that question, and it's great to know that you've got an on-premise solution, uh, because I can imagine that some of these larger retailers, that would be uh, be an issue. Um, just to finish, is there anything in particular on the roadmap that um, sort of suggests where the future, what what plans you may have in terms of where you might take this, or or, or where you think you think the future in with in terms of AI-driven marketing may go? We want to be that morning dashboard for every retailer. We want them to be able to come in and say, aha, the shoes are selling really well with the socks, so let's sell the shoes with the socks. And like, think about what you would have to do in an organization if you didn't have all that data in one place. You'd have to call your merchandising department. You would say, what's selling well? What if you put next to these two things? You have to call your individual store managers and say, well, how's the walkway from the shoe section of the department? Right? So like, 
bridging all of those data points together and making them actionable and doing an increasingly good job of predicting, that's what we want to do. Here's a question for you. Have you integrated things like the weather yet? We have not. That tends to historically be the domain of the media buying platform, like a DSP that will use a signal on, oh, it's raining out to show the, the raincoat ad. We don't get involved in the actual um, uh, media transaction. We are solely in the, the realm of, um, of audience. And now I thought of something brilliant to say, and it completely went out of my head. So <laughs> we are equal. Fair turnabout is fair play, I suppose. One all, I like it. <laughs> well, uh, this has been brilliant, Lewis. Thank you so much. Um, and, and, and I think it's just a, a real reminder that if you're sat on this data, uh, it is a goldmine. And it's about uh, getting the most out of existing customers and really increasing that retention uh, and, uh, and and the lifetime value. And, and I think that's, you know, that's what we're all after. Ultimately, it's it's around how come, you know, why are we in why are we in marketing? It's, it's to help organizations, to help businesses make more money, sell more, sell more, increase profits uh, and increase customer retention. So uh, it sounds like this product, uh, you know, if you are a CMO of a, of a large retailer, you need to be speaking to Lewis. Lewis, where do you hang out online? Where should pe- where should they be going to? Uh, if web- you are if you're a website person, you can go to Pearson, P-A-I-R-Z-O-N.com. If you are a social media person, it's at Lewis NYC on Twitter or X. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And you can find our blog posts and a whole um, uh, host of resources on our site not just about buy our product, but sort of the trends that are impacting the market today and suggestions that we have around them. And all of those links will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Lewis. And thank you so much for you for listening, for being here, for turning up and for listening to what Lewis has shared with us and to really get you thinking about how you could be using your data. We've been talking about AI-driven success, the bridging the online and offline sales gap uh, with Lewis Rothkopf today. Um, And it's been really good. So listen, thanks for joining us. Uh, We look forward to welcoming you on the next podcast. Please do click that subscribe, tell your friends, share it. If this has been helpful, let me know. Find me on social and let me know. But for now, that is all. This has been the Johnny Ross Fractional CMO Show, and we will see you soon. Take care. Thanks, Lewis.